Welcome to Cover Stories, the podcast where we talk to musicians we like about music they love. I'm your host, Eric, and every week I invite different artists to cover a song of their choice and discuss what it means to them. This week we have Bob Ram from Bob Ram and the Rams covering Chet Baker's Everything Happens to Me. In addition to talking about his love for the song, we talk about Chet Baker's rivalry with Miles Davis, some of our favorite jazz musicians, Dahano's influence on Bob, playing in cover bands in San Antonio in the early aughts. Bob also reveals his favorite guitarists, and we discuss our music blind spots. Check out Bob Ram and the Rams on Instagram at Bob Ram and the Rams and their website www.bobramandtherams.com. This is Cover Stories. Welcome to Cover Stories. My name is Eric. I'm here with my producer, Zach. Hello. Today we have Bob Ram from Bob Ram and the Rams, and he will be doing a Chet, Fake, a Chet Baker song. I've said that so many times because <laughs> of that band. A Chet Baker's rendition of Everything Happens to Me. How's it going, Bob? Uh, it's going great. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate you oh, coming on. Um, this is, uh, is going to be fun. It's our first dive into jazz. So, uh, Very nice. This has been pretty cool. What, dis- oh, what made you decide to do a this Chet Baker song? Um, I recently learned that song. I uh, recently did my own recording of it. And uh, it just so happened that you know when you messaged me for this, it, you know, I, I was listening to that song. So that's what made me want to do it. Awesome. Um, so I, I was doing a little research on this, and uh, mm-hmm. this is, from what I understand, it's the second famous recording of it. The first one was by Frank Sinatra, and then there's like 20 after Chet Baker. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to do the, when you originally recorded yourself, what made you decide to do this version? Um, I heard the uh, song on Spotify, to be honest with you, and I just love the version because he sounds like kind of marble mouth when he's singing yeah. it. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it was just really slow version. It kind of picks up in the middle, and then it goes back down to being slow, so it was just a really beautiful rendition of it. Yeah, it it doesn't sound... Uh, I mean, he's kind of like a hard bop kind of jazz guy, yeah. and it, it's a lot smoother than that. Exactly. And, uh, I thought it was interesting. He's got... I, my dad's really into jazz, and I was telling him... He's really excited about this episode, oh, yeah? by the way. And I told him, you're doing this. And uh, he... Uh, I described it as like, yeah, it kind of sounds Bing crosby And he got so offended. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love his voice. His voice is really is like tender. Yeah, it, it almost sounds like a trumpet. Yeah, but, you know, it's yeah, really cool. yeah. It's fu- funny you mentioned he's got that marbled mouth. Uh, there's this woman I follow on Twitter, Natalie Weiner, Weiner, Natalie Weiner. She's a writer. Everything I know about jazz now, I know through her. Mm-hmm. Every day of the year, she has done like this day in 1959 because apparently that was a big jazz year. Yeah, and there was I can't remember the name of the the singer. Um, but she was talking about how like she couldn't understand this rendition and she's like, Oh, it has to be Chet Baker. Cause he yeah. sounds like a frog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It may have been the drugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you say 59 was a good year for jazz. Cause this album, uh, that the song is off of came out in 58. Oh, okay. So. Cool. Yeah. This is a uh, third, his third singing album, right? Yeah. Yeah. The name of the album is it could happen to you. Yeah. And I think this was the first one. And I know on this one, he plays trumpet a little bit, mm-hmm. but a lot of the other times he was scatting and stuff, exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, how do you feel about just Chet Baker in general? Uh, he's a really interesting dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just like his story and you know, he just kind of 
got into jazz. He was so talented and, and then his, uh, little dive into drugs and, and, and that abuse. It's just yeah. very interesting. It's sad, tragic, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, makes the man a legend. Yeah. I feel like heroin and, and jazz of that era are kind of synonymous. Exactly. Um, I was reading a story about, I think this is like the big one, uh, where he auditioned to be in Charlie Parker's band mm-hmm. and he started playing and Charlie Parker ended the audition right there cause he wanted him. Yeah. And he went to New York to talk to Miles Davis and was like, Hey, there's this white boy from the West coast. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, I was reading a lot about the, the com- you know, the, I don't want to call it a, a rivalry, but like there was a little bit of light tension between him and Miles Davis and yeah. he was kind of, uh, Davis was kind of, uh, he, I think the way people describe it is that he, that he wasn't as good as everyone thought he was and he was getting more yeah. recognition. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty interesting that it is a rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's a friendly rivalry, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what other kind of jazz musicians do you listen to? Uh, I'm a guitar player mm-hmm. and being a guitar player, I should listen to guitar, other guitar players. I like Joe Pass and Wes Montgomery, but for some reason I'm really into piano players. Oh, like cool. Bill Evans. Yeah. Uh, Thelonious Monk, you know, guys like that. That's I love Thelonious Monk's version of this song. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty I, cool. I love, I, I, I just, he's one of the like the, the big names that I, I grew up kind of listening to a little bit yeah and my jazz is limited but he's definitely one of those and i love that even his mistakes sound like they're supposed to be there exactly you know it just his version of this song I mean, he does the the vocal melody on on the piano and you hear it and it just sounds like oh that sounds cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> um when Thelonious monk played at the newport jazz festival um, the way the uh, I guess the MC introduced him was that he plays like the implied note, like he'll oh. play the top and the low, and it's just implied in between. That's cool. Pretty interesting, yeah. That's cool. What other kind of what other jazz musicians do you like? Um, I also like jazz vocalists and Anita Day and Keely Smith, some of my favorite female jazz vocalists. They're just really innovative, and uh, Anita Day in particular, like she really couldn't do vibrato, so that's why she did certain things at the end of her her long notes to make it sound pretty cool. That's cool. Do, do, do any of them have any kind of influence on you now as a musician? Uh, Anito Day probably has some influence on my singing. Like, I I, I don't know. I just kind of like to do things different when it comes to my singing. I'm not saying I'm an innovator, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this thing is pretty cool. That's cool. Um, what other kind of influences do you have? Um, growing up in San Antonio, I listened to a lot of Tejano music. And Tejano music is derived from jazz. So... When I was growing up, I started playing with different bands around town, playing Tejano music, and that's probably how I really got into jazz because it's it's very similar, all the chords and whatnot. That's cool. What what kind of do you remember any Tejano bands that were really big on you? Um, I mean, just the Sunny Ozuna was oh. really big. I still love him, and um, just the the bands that he had back in the '60s, '70s, Sunliners. Uh, what was the other one? Not the Sunrays, Sunglows. Um, There's just really really jazzy, really. Uh, I guess you can say, what was the word? I talked to one of the, the guys that used to play in his band originally. Uh, progressive. That's okay. the word I'm looking for. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I I, I think I kind of lean more towards like Conjunto Oh, stuff. I love Conjunto too. Man. Uh, Last I, night I played with a Conjunto group. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I just jumped on stage and did a few songs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What, were they, what was the band called? Uh, Mike Villanueva y Grupo Solución. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. I, did you see uh, Flaco and uh, they, Flaco Jimenez and uh, Augie Myers played about yeah. six 
Well, no, about a year ago, actually, at Paper mm-hmm. Tiger. Really? Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That's cool. It was one of those things that uh, it's music I haven't really listened to in a while. Yeah. But when you hear it, you, you just can like, always jump back into yeah, it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just uh, the Texas tornado kind of stuff. And just. just it's, Real Tex Mex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's so embedded in, in the culture here that, that I kind of just forget it's there, you yeah. know? My second or third cousin used to play with, uh, like, what is it? What was it? Tex Tornadoes. His yeah. name was uh, Oscar Theus, a oh, cool. sexual player. He passed away already. I oh, never got so. to meet him, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool to keep that lineage going. Yeah, it, it you know San Antonio obviously is like known as a metal city, yeah. but there's so much diversity to the music here that we it's just so easy to forget all these these big names that kind of came through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, on the south side, I remember it was years ago at Movida. Do you remember Club Movida? No, off of um, it was off of ninety and Pro Band somewhere, but um, they had uh, Los Osquivertos playing. Okay. Like Los I've heard oh, them. No. De la Máquina. It's oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was free to go in. So I just went in and I danced the night away. It was great. That's cool. Yeah. That's real cool. Um, I, I like... Um I like that, that you know, as... as I'm, I'm 31. So, like, as, as I've looked back at the music scene here, it's just... So it's it's a hindsight thing, obviously, yeah. but there's just so much more that I missed out on growing yeah, up. Exactly. And it's cool to see that. And, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast, because I like learning about these things. Yeah. Do you remember Wacky's Deli? No. So I, I grew up on the north side, so... Oh, okay. I mean, I have family on the south side, but yeah. we... That's like... Oh, everybody always has a cousin either yeah. on the south side or the west side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can tell you about Griff's and Rolanda's yeah. Super Tacos, but like as far as the night scene, no, not yeah. really. Yeah, it's cool. We're around the same age. I'm 33. Oh, cool. So, cool. yeah, we grew up around the same stuff. That's cool. So you you grew you were born and raised here. I was born in Uvalde. Oh, okay, and then my parents moved over here when I was nine months old or something. Yeah, I grew up in San Antonio. Oh, cool, in the southeast side of town. Cool. Um, what uh, when did you start playing in bands here? Um, I was about twelve when I joined my first metal band. Oh, of course, cool, Metal City. Yeah. So we played uh, like Metallica covers, Megadeth stuff like that. And then fourteen, my dad told me. If you're going to be a musician, you have to learn how to play the Hano music. So I was really against it, but <laughs> learned how to play it, and I started getting gigs around town. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So um, how, how long have you been playing guitar? Since I was nine. nine. I'm 33 now. Uh, I don't like to do the math. I yeah. Don't know, I <laughs> count my fingers and take off my pants to do the whole <laughs> counting thing. That's awesome. I, I think that um, one thing, I remember I learned to play it at age 12 okay and i felt i was so behind i had friends who were like yeah i started around when you started and um it's it's cool when you were playing you know as as a 12 year old did you were these like friends or did you play with like people that they were friends from school Uh, now when i started when i was nine i started taking lessons i really didn't like evolve my playing until i was about 12 or 13 because i was just sticking with the lessons reading the music and just doing that and i really didn't get out and play other things so uh, yeah yeah, when i started playing with my friends that's when we started doing metallica and megadeth and i started learning more i was a rhythm guitarist oh cool and um yeah so i started learning a little bit more that's cool um did did y'all just like realize y'all had the same music taste or is it something that y'all like it was premeditated you're like hey we're going to do this and actually the the lead guitar player i'd known him since i was in third grade so we just kind of grew up together and it just so happened you know he was playing guitar too and he said hey you want to join this band the band was called redemption oh cool <laughs> and uh we had a reunion about two years ago oh cool yeah and um yeah, we just said, you want to play? And I said, sure. So I showed up to practice, and we started playing at the White Rabbit, Wacky's Deli, just all around the St. Mary Strip before they cleaned it all up. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I What are... 
What are your memories of like the old school St. Mary's strip? It was dirty. Yeah. yeah, it was dirty. I remember there being car accidents like right in front of the place into telephone poles, uh just a lot of people tweaking out in the street. It was really dingy. It's it's weird to think about because I remember going to shows as a teenager and then going like maybe even as early as like six or seven years ago and mm-hmm. it feels like two different places. Exactly. Yeah, they really fixed it up and it's a lot nicer now. It's a, you feel safe out there. Yeah. <laughs> I used to remember being dropped off in front and like not wanting to leave the front when yeah. they were coming to pick me up. Yeah, I remember the streetlights being out like all around the area. Yeah, there. it was really dark. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like calling my mom at like <laughs> 11 o'clock. Like, for a payphone? Hey. No, for, it was uh, like my first cell phone. Oh, I think I might have borrowed her cell phone. Like a track phone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of those, it was uh, like uh, the, the, the flip. foldable flip phones. Yeah. 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 Very cool, man. But yeah, um, what uh, what were some of your favorite songs to play? Um, for Who the Bell Toes. Oh, okay. Am I saying that right? Uh, Inner Sandman and then uh, Fade to Black. The old Metallica song. Yeah. But, yeah, and then uh, we also played um, uh, a Green Day song, which was uh, "Brainwash." Is that the a Brain Stew? Brain Stew. Thank you. That, that's good. It's been so long. Since yeah, played. <laughs> uh, yeah. We started playing stuff like that. That's cool. Um, so I mean, I mean, when you were starting out, was it good at first, or did, did it something like looking back now? You're like, oh, like we were just kids playing. I miss it. Oh, yeah? It was good. It was really fun, and uh, just getting to be out there with the adults playing the White Rabbit. And that's cool in the back room. But I mean, it was just. It was really, it's a good part of my life. I I miss it. That's a good name too. Redemption's a a great band name. I I didn't name it, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really, I, sometimes I'll find like posters of us like back in the day or like the ticket stubs. You remember the ticket stubs? Yeah. They had the the blue ones and green ones. Um, Yeah, I'll find them. I get real nostalgic about it. Yeah, it's it's cool to look back and and uh, just to, to think about that. I mean, I was in a shitty high school band. We weren't good at all. So like, even I have fond memories of that. You yeah. know, um, did y'all ever like open up for anybody big or just? I think we played the front stage once, but I don't remember the band that we opened up for. I don't remember any of the names of the other bands. Actually, I remember getting a Union Underground oh yeah tape, demo tape, <laughs> and my parents still have it sealed. Oh man, and. Um, I don't. I don't think we ever played with them, but I remember them handing them out there at White Rabbit. That's so fun to think about too. Um, I had an uncle, uh, or I have an uncle when he was the youngest of my my aunt or my mom's siblings, and um, he. I remember he came home. This is like ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. He came home with like a kid rock sampler. Yeah. And as a kid, I was like, "Oh, this is like rock and roll for kids." And I listened to it, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is not what I yeah. thought it was." And then, like six years later, Kid Rock is like super huge. Yeah. I, I miss those days where you know. I guess they, you still kind of see that a little bit where people are handing out their samplers and stuff. Yeah, I, I do it. I mean, I, I guess because I get real nostalgic about music and stuff, so I'll just get a you know burn a CD and write my name on it and hand it out. Just That's awesome. That. Yeah, I, I love that that aspect. I, I love burning CDs in general. Yeah. Um, for Sticker Fridge, the, the website, um, we do have a featured playlist. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to do a playlist, cool. let us know. I mean, we've got a few. I think Zach, you did like a, a stoner metal playlist one time. Sludge. Sludge. Oh, Something Sludge. Like no, I think it's Stoner Rock. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm working on a, a playlist of all my favorite bass lines called All Your Bass Are Belong to Us. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's taken a while because there's a lot of stuff. I want yeah, to it's, it's hard to make a playlist, right? yeah. especially if you're a musician because you have certain things that you pick from certain songs and yeah. certain genres and you break down the genres into certain things. So. You also want it to flow. Yeah. I was I was making like an indie dance playlist and then like I had like the like stuff that was more like 
techno sounding, but also mm-hmm. stuff that's just like dance rock. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's a weird transition. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Um, so I, I've, I've listened to your band from your Instagram and you guys have like a lot of influences and a lot of times when, when people talk about like, oh, we play a little bit of everything, it's usually a mess, but you guys just work it so well. <laughs> and Thank you. I, like there's some songs that sound like kind of merengue inspired. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff that's like just straight up rock and roll. How yeah. do you, how do you kind of meld everything together? Um, Growing up playing in Tejano bands, you had to learn how to play different songs and, you know, rock and roll, Tejano, Conjunto, like really break it down, Norteño. Mm -hmm. And so the other musicians, there were Tejano musicians as well that I met when they were very young. And so we just play very well together. So if I say, you know, we're going to play Puño de Tierra in G, they'll know exactly what to do and do that style. So How long have you been playing with them? Uh, Those guys I've been playing for many years, since I was in my mid-20s. That's when I met them. Yeah, I'm an old man now. <laughs> no, that's cool. I, I, it's, it's cool to see that. So, uh, and I think that, you know, the the lifespan of a band is very short now because yeah. everyone's doing different things. But it's also really easy to stay together too, and through you know, through technology. Yeah. Well, I think the trick is. And this goes for like comedy duos as well is to like not talk outside of oh, yeah. the gigs. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of, you know, do the practice and the gigs and we really don't talk much. I mean, we'll text every yeah. now and then, but I think that's what keeps a band together for a long time. It's it's harder to hate each other when yeah, you're not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Do you guys tour a lot or do you just play mostly around here? Uh, mostly around here. Um, and I call this our tour because we're just doing the San Antonio thing okay. for now. I would love to play somewhere outside. But. Have you ever gone on tour with any of your previous bands? I was with uh, Grupo Fama uh, for many years. And yeah, we went on tour around the U.S. and, and Mexico. That's cool. How How was it like touring in Mexico? Uh, it was cool, man. I, I It was different. I, I wasn't used to it. I was I was 18 or 19. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, I just remember playing at like a corral, like people on horses and stuff with lassos That's and everybody awesome. out in the dirt. And it was just, it was nutty. It was crazy. That's exactly how I imagined it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. That's real cool. Um, so I, I know you play guitar. Do you, do you strictly just go with guitar? Do you play other stuff? When I was with Grupo Fama, we, I play bass. Okay. So um, that just so happened that I started off playing guitar and the singer was like, you know what? I need a bass player. You want to play bass? And I said, sure. I never played bass before in my life. So went to a pawn shop, bought like a $50 bass and just practiced one night. And then the next day I had to go on, on tour with him and I started playing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's real cool. What do you, I mean, I don't think I need to ask this, but which one do you like playing more? Uh, guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, bass can be fun. I would just, I dig the bass lines and stuff, but, uh, you know, my primary instrument is guitar. That's cool. Um, who would be your, your big guitar influences? Now or back then? Both. Either, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite uh, guitar players. I cannot play like him, but I just love listening to his stuff. Um, now it's like Joe Pass. I'm really into Joe Pass. My guitar is the Joe Pass edition. Okay. So I, um, I've been listening to a lot of his stuff and, and taking it all in. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, you know, when it comes to just the uh, the, the overall sound of, of, of your band, uh, I, I think it's it's cool to just... I, I, you, you you get the type of band that looks, looks like it's just a lot of fun to listen to live. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you have a combination of, you know, you've got mood music, but you also have like, oh, let me let me put my phone down and listen to this music too. Well, well thank you. Yeah. We try. I just try to... Well, the way I do it is I'll just stay in my own bubble when I'm on stage. Uh-huh. I, I act like nobody's there, so I'm just doing my own thing. And people seem to uh, be amused by my 
my uh, movements, I guess. Oh, yeah? Some people call it tippy taps because I, like, bang my feet on the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I have a habit of doing that just from marching band. Ah, Did yeah. you ever play in marching band? I never or? played. I was friends with people in marching band, but I never got to actually march. It's it's funny to, to look back now because I think a lot of, like, our friends who are in bands, like, started out from marching band mm-hmm. and... It's a weird, it's a weird kind. Of, I mean, it, it makes sense because it's music, but yeah. just uh, the transition from there to to, to this the music that they're making now is just. What did you play in marching band? I played bass clarinet. Oh, okay. Um, it was uh, it was fun, yeah. and you know, we meeting people in the band. We we formed little bands here. There, we did a lot of cover stuff, and yeah, uh, it was did, just. Did you play uh, bass clarinet in those bands? No, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the it's funny you bring that up because just um. Andre 3000 from Outkast yeah. is actually a trained bass clarinet player now. Yeah. He plays that in like flute. And I'm like, well, why couldn't you make this cool when I was yeah. playing? <laughs> yeah. You can't tell girls like, oh, hey, I play bass clarinet. And I mean, you just, can now. I yeah. Think. Girls would be really into it. You still have your bass clarinet? No, I, I rented it from the school. Oh, okay. I don't know if I, I, I can play it. I can, I know I can play it. I don't know if I'd sound good though. I nah, just try it, man. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been meaning to check it out. Yeah. Um, did you ever play in like like jazz bands uh, like back then? Um, I was in jazz band in high school. Okay, um, I played guitar, and um, it was uh, it wasn't like the jazz outside of school. You know, it's a very basic standard. Yeah. You know, sheet music, jazz, which was pretty good. I have a great appreciation for it, but I just wish it was a little bit more, again, progressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I mean you've got your standards and your and your staples for for that. I've got a friend who who never was into jazz and was in jazz band and he learned so much from it. So yeah. I'm sure it's just kinda like a stepping stone in a way. Yeah. Our teacher was really good too. He was uh Mr. Rosales. He would um you know, just really just kind of get after us and say, listen to this and you got to try to get us in that mindset of being a, a musician. Yeah. And uh, I borrowed a VHS from him, which was, um, is it a, a jazz on a summer's day? Uh-huh. It was about the Newport jazz festival oh, cool. where I listened to Onido day and Thelonious Monk is there and Louis Armstrong. This is, it's really, it's really good. Uh, concert movie. That's cool. I, I got to check that out. That's, yeah. that's really awesome. It's on YouTube. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, growing up, I mean, Miles Davis is always big in my household yeah. and, um, you know, kind of blue is, is kind of, I always joke about how like bands like green day are like the gateway drug into punk rock yeah. and kind of blue is like the gateway drug into jazz. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I remember for a while I, I used to feel, I mean, now I feel like it was kind of pretentious, but I would like drive to kind of blue mm-hmm. and, uh, and my friends would be like, what are you listening to? I'm like, no, man, you just don't get this. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are, what are some of your, your favorite albums? Um, Bill Evans trio Waltz for Debbie. It was recorded in 1967 at the village Vanguard. Like it's just one of my all time favorite recordings. Um, the drums are so crisp on that recording and the, the bass is so booming. The bass player, I think his name is Scott LaFaro. That was one of his last recordings. He died tragically like six months later in a car accident. But oh, wow. that album is just amazing. Like when I first heard it, I'd never done this, but when I first heard it, I started crying. Oh it's yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've had those moments, yeah. you know, and it's, it's like, it's, it's subconscious almost, you yeah. know, you're like, well, wait, what is this? What's going on? Yeah. I, know, I freak out when I start crying. I'll start doing it when I'm on like playing on stage. If I'm really getting into like a old blues song or a jazz song, I'll start tearing up and I have to like snap myself back yeah. the, like, I'm in front of everybody. <laughs> um, I know Bill Evans played uh, piano on this Chet Baker 
album. I think it was his second singing album. Really? And I was reading that it was Bill Evans and Philly Joe Jones. I can't remember who else was on it. But it was basically this uh, quartet that, or the, the trio that, that Miles Davis used. Yeah. And Chet Baker was trying to, I don't want to say steal that sound, but he was trying well, to mimic that sound. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I really wish there was more. I mean, biopics are kind of overrated now, but I really wish there was more about them back then. Yeah, there's that biopic about Chet Baker with Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, right? yeah, yeah. I haven't I, seen it, but that that actually came out the same time as the the Don Cheadle biopic on Miles Davis. Yeah, so it's so weird that like years later they still have this connection. Yeah, exactly. There's um a documentary about Chet Baker. It came out in 88. I forgot the name of it, but it is, uh, again, on YouTube. You should check okay. it out. It was filmed, like, in all black and white, and it's actually interviews with Chet Baker, like, before he passed, and all his friends and family. It's pretty cool. I found something on him. I think it was Italian, because it was when he was in Amsterdam, right before he died. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it, I think it might have been his last interview is what it was. And uh, I was kind of, it was cool. He was, like, he seemed like he was fluent in Italian, and mm-hmm. there was just a... I mean, the the culture back then, it was just almost like these guys were just on another level. Yeah. You know, you don't see a lot of artists like that now. And no. not that that's a bad thing necessarily. It's just that I wouldn't expect him, especially because was, he, was, he was, you could tell he was drugged out, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, like you said, it's very rare to see that now in an artist where they're just on another level. Like, you just look at them and you're like, wow, that, yeah. that's a superstar. That guy's... It's like a renaissance man kind of thing, exactly. you know, yeah. and you know, it's just fun to see that and see them pick up these things really quick. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Zach yesterday about, you know, heroin's influence on jazz and talking about how, how Chet Baker died. From what I understand, he was he, he was drugged out in heroin and he like fell out a window yeah. in Amsterdam. That's the, the story is that he locked himself out and then he was yeah. like trying to climb across and then he just fell. Yeah, it's just it's nuts. Yeah. It's, it, I think the thing about it too is that he was such a, a staple in, in American music in general that it's weird that you don't hear more about him. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of fell off the face of the earth, like Nat King Cole. Like you don't hear how he died. Yeah, you know? I don't. Yeah, I can't think. No, <laughs> like you just you know he's there, unforgettable, and then it just after what the sixties, like you don't you don't hear about him. Yeah, the, the, I think that 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 era in, in general is there's just so much mystery to it. Yeah. And I, I feel like part of the reason why we don't know is because the real story is not as interesting, maybe. Yeah. It, it takes away like the mystery of, of these these artists. Yeah. Now I'm going to look up how Nat King Cole died. <laughs> I have no clue. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as that era goes, I mean, that was also the same time as that's when rock and roll was getting really big and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, from that era, are there any bands that, that you feel influenced by or that you're really into? I know you said Hendrix. Yeah. Um, any, any other ones? The Sonics. Sonics. Heard of the Sonics. Heard of them. Is yeah. British Invasion or? No, they were uh, uh, American. Okay. Um, they're a garage band, but they were just like, just really screaming, like just screaming. And it's really. They sound like cool. the Kinks kind of, right? Kind of, yeah. Okay. It's just a lot more, I guess, rockish, if you want to use that word. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, when, you, when you talk about Jimmy, what's your favorite song? Uh, Castles Made of Sand. Okay. Yeah. I love that song. I used to listen to it as a kid and. For some reason, I had in my mind, I was like, this is where rapping came from. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> thinking back on it, it's kind of ridiculous, but yeah. I, I love trying to like trace back. Yeah. I was talking to somebody about like new metal's influence on hip hop. Yeah. And 
they're like, well, we can go a step further. I mean, Blondie, you know, with Rapture. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I forget about that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. I mean, she, she gentrified it, but I mean, she, you know, she definitely brought it to more people. More mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I, I always feel bad because Hendrix kind of get, Hendrix is like the stereotypical, like everyone's favorite guitar player in the sense that like he's number one. And then you get to the point where, especially as a teenager, you're like, oh, like everyone loves Hendrix. Come on. And then yeah. you forget how good he was and not even just like how good he was technically, but just there's stuff he plays. that's easy to play, but mm-hmm. you can't make it sound the way he made no, it sound. No. And then that song that they found with Valleys of Neptune that they re- I didn't hear that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was the first time I heard it, it was it was a few years ago. And again, they they didn't put it out until uh, a few years ago. Um, I was like, wow, it was like listening to Hendrix for the first time. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. You should check it out. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, I I think it's it's funny just to 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 look back and and see how a lot of these guys. I mean. Music in general, you, you get to the point where they're so good, it makes it, like, boring. Yeah. And I, I feel people forget that about him. Um, how You know, one thing that's come up a lot is, you know, not with, just with him, but just the 27 Club in general. Mm-hmm. How many of, of those guys, or him specifically, do you think his he'd look at back he'd be looked at differently had he not died in that sense? Do you feel like that elevated him, or? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, dying young, that yeah. helps you stay that just in that frozen in time is what it is like amy winehouse yeah she was great but i mean if she was still alive we wouldn't be celebrating her music that she put out yeah i I wonder about that a lot i mean it you've always got your your outliers and you got like the rolling stones who i mean they played last night in houston and looked like it was packed yeah so i mean it it, it's it's easier to uh, do you read chuck klosterman at all no he wrote this book called dying to live and it's about for some artists, dying is the best career move. Yeah. And then uh, he brings up, like, uh, when Kurt Cobain died, um, our, our Pro Jam's Versus was outselling in utero. Mm-hmm. And when he died, it completely yeah, 180. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I like to think about that a lot. I, I think Rolling Stones put out a few pieces, like, what if Jimi Hendrix didn't die and he'd be going on his, like, 70th anniversary tour or whatever. Yeah. Like, like Joe Cocker, like, you know, like, he's still alive, but what if he... Passed away back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's um, it, it's it's not always a hundred percent the same with each artist. Yeah. Um, they, they did one for Kurt Cobain too, and they were talking about how like Kurt would be like he'd be collaborating with with rappers now, and you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And it doesn't sound too far fetched, even though it is a little kind of weird to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, you know, as far as uh, this is the. 50th anniversary of Woodstock, and they're trying to do that 50, you know, the, the new Woodstock, and they moved it to Merriweather Pavilion in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about that, you know, as a Jimi Hendrix fan, this, like, nostalgia that almost feels fabricated, because it's not any of those old people? Yeah, what is fabricated, and it's all about making money. Yeah. That's what it is, about drawing people and selling stuff and selling hot dogs and water. Yeah. Not in that order, but... For, like, 12 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, go right ahead. No, go ahead. No, so, <laughs> now, I, you know, there's a there's a podcast out now about the '99 Woodstock, and mm-hmm. and they talk about Michael Ling, the, the the showrunner, and how he he did the first Woodstock, and he was kind of just like car salesman type guy, mm-hmm. and like even back then, we all remember it for you know peace, love, and, and and all that, but there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened back then too. Yeah, and that you know the the commercialization of of this nostalgia 
is become more apparent now than you know in the past ten years or so. Yeah, and uh, I think it's funny with, with technology to see how like instant nostalgia has become. Yeah. There's stuff that happened like five years ago. Like bands break up five years ago, and like, oh, we're reuniting. Like, oh, it just felt like it was yesterday. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Well, the '99 Woodstock then that become notorious because it went off the rails. Yeah, yeah, that's what they talk about a little bit too. And and that you know they 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 kind of set this up thinking that everyone would be kind of uh, it's a diverse lineup. It's yeah. definitely different than the, the previous the, the first Woodstock. But they, I guess they assumed that everyone would be about it. Yeah. But then you've got these like new metal bands and these heavier bands and they're not going to want to go see, you know, Beck or like, uh, tragically hip, you yeah. know? So there, there was that, that weird kind of, um, clash of, of different fans. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about, about fandom in, in the sense that like, do you feel sometimes fans can ruin a band for you? Yes. Um, and that's going back to like the Jimi Hendrix thing, yeah. you know, like, yeah. oh, I don't want to like, I don't want to like Jimi Hendrix, but he was really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, sublime. Like I, growing up, like I love sublime. Yeah. You know, it was something came out on kiss. Like they would play uh Santeria and then what I got back to back and it was just amazing. But now I'm just kind of like, they're reissuing all the records. Yeah. Stuff. I'm like, should I really like this band? Or, <laughs> but I listened to it, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, okay, now I remember why I like this. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm so glad you said that because I have like six sublime albums that I yeah. bought when I was 12 yeah. to 16. And um, I would make fun of myself like as in college, like, oh man, like, yeah, yeah. I like sublime. All right, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though. I, I like to, I always think of sublime as our generation's Eagles because yeah. because Eagles were a great band, but if you say you're an Eagles fan, you're a nerd. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I get like that with, um, what is the other band? Uh, Slipknot. Oh yeah, Wait and Bleed. Like, we were just talking about yeah. Slipknot yesterday. <laughs> yeah, Wait and Bleed. Like I burned it on a CD and um, I listened to that. Like I thought it was so hardcore listening to it in my room as a kid and like looking back on it, I'm like, wow, it wasn't that hardcore. But, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those nostalgic bands. Yeah, well, they just put out a new single, right? Yeah, so they put a new music video out. I was confused with the uh, <laughs> they're using that footage from that show, The Boys. The Boys. Yeah, yeah. On Amazon. Wow. It's. I mean pretty good like they're yeah. talented guys yeah it's just like i don't get that culture of like their fan yeah. like i don't yeah. fit in with that so i'm just like it's like icp or something yeah yeah, yeah we're talking about that it's like yeah. a, a degree away from that from juggalo shillism yeah <laughs> i'm gonna join the juggalos yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they're ahead of the game man they apparently they issued something about how face recognition software doesn't work on the juggalo paint <laughs> really so uh i, I think you know they they might be ahead of everybody else right now. They're they're making good business decisions. ICP, yeah, like you know to have that culture and have all those concerts and you know all the ventures they're doing. They're they're doing pretty good. I mean, I'm not a big fan of this yeah. stuff. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if I've heard anything from theirs, but it's pretty cool. Um, they have that. What's that? Is it like an energy drink or a soda? Like switch with an F. Like it's not like it's like Shasta, but it's Fuego yeah, or no Fanta. It's, 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 I can't remember what it is, but they've got this whole industry. It's almost like they live in their own separate, like independent country. Yeah. Seeing you know, stuff about what's the gathering of the juggalos. Yeah. I've seen documentaries and it's one of those things that like, you know, we can make fun of it all we want, but it seems like there's definitely like a nice knit community. Yeah. There are assholes in it, obviously, but I mean, it seems like they definitely have like each other's back. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't want to say like adorable because that's not the word I'm thinking of, but it's definitely like, it's almost like a, it's it's just fun to see, you know? Yeah. It's very interesting. They have their own, like sustaining their own little 
yeah. community there. I wonder if they have their own like tender, like if they're using their own money. You know, <laughs> that I wouldn't be surprised. I could see somebody selling that. <laughs> yeah, some juggalo bucks or something. <laughs> juggalo Bitcoin. <laughs> that's that's probably where they would go at. They're yeah. they're all afraid of the government. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, in, in talking about fandom a lot, I, I know there's been a lot of bands um, growing up in, in high school that I liked when they first came out, and then I realized that I'm the only non 16 year old girl who likes these bands. <laughs> so I like try to push myself away. What bands were they? Uh, bands like like Fall Out Boy or yeah. like um, I, mean, I they're band. And some of the bands I, st- I like now, like My Chemical Romance, I've come back and realized like yeah. how fun they are. And it's just, uh, it's interesting to, to see that effect. And I wonder if that's a, an issue now with the way technology is and we're able to connect these bands with their fandoms yeah. more than we were back then. Yeah, probably. Because, you know, back in our day, you go to, was that, uh, wasn't, what was the name of that store? I'm thinking of Goodies or... Oh, Sam Goody? Sam Goody, yeah. yeah. You go in and you just buy the, the CD and you don't know who else is buying it and you just go and listen to it. Yeah. And, you know, try it out or just take it home. Or CD Exchange was real big yeah. for you too. I, I still got my buy 10, get one free card. Really? Yeah. So I, I go regularly. Um, not as much as I used to because Spotify, everything's there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, if, speaking of that, I bought like the Punkorama series. Oh yeah, uh, back in the day on CD Exchange, and now it's on Spotify. So, oh really? Yeah, that's cool. I, I've been looking for a lot of those comps um, yeah. to see if they have it because um, they have some, but not all of them. Um, I think Punkorama Three is was my gateway drug. Which one is that? Is that the one with the kid with the? No, I think that one. I think that's the one before it. Okay, Part Three is the one with like the freak show. Oh, it's got like okay. a pig boy and yeah. stuff. Um, but I remember that was the first time I ever heard H2O and the first time I ever heard a NoFX song that wasn't um, uh, sticking in my eye. So it was like the yeah. first non-sticking in my eye NoFX song. And I, my uncle had that CD and I used to, I, he lived with my grandma at the time. So I would go over and go in his room and just like listen to it all day while I was there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool to, to look back on that. And do you still go CD shopping or vinyl shopping? Or? Um, yeah, I go vinyl shopping. Uh, we're just talking about imagine, uh, yeah. records. I'll go there and I'll look for vinyl. I actually, for some reason, I'm really into cassette tapes now. Oh, cool. And so I have like, I had a bunch in my car. Um, I took them out, but yeah, for some reason I'm going to Goodwills and different record stores and trying to find some good tapes. You can find some cool stuff at Goodwill. Yeah. Um, yeah. some people don't know what they got. You no, know? no, not at all. Um, they're like, 49 cents at Goodwill. Oh, so, really? Yeah. That's cool. So I, I, with the cassette thing, I, I've, I've been, I'm glad you mentioned that because mm-hmm. like, I don't get it, but I kind of get it. Yeah. What, what is it about cassettes that ca- or is the appeal? It's, it's kind of like the vinyl thing. Uh-huh. You know, it's just something to have in front of you. Something yeah. that you can hold. Um, but I really don't know what it yeah. is. <laughs> I guess I just had a lot as a kid and I, you know, I just transferred them with me and I have a Walkman in the car. Now, oh, so cool. I just plug it into the aux. That's awesome. Radio. Yeah. I, I think when I first got into vinyl, I bought this cheap Crossley, you know, yeah. $40 record player. Yeah. And I just did it cause I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. And then like, I remember there were some really supportive people, strangers on like Instagram. I, I would always post cause I like showing my collection off yeah. and stuff. And some guy was like, Hey man, like I'm not trying to be a dick. Yeah but you need to get a better record player, do this. And like, I was kind of like, okay, like who the fuck are you, man? Yeah. Like, but then I, I, after like listening to him, like I, I looked into it and now I've got a pretty decent set. Yeah, you what know? do you have? Um, I've got a, a project debut carbon. Oh, 
and I bought some audio engine um, speakers. Pretty basic, you yeah, know. Coming an audio audiophile is Dude, what it is. As as much <laughs> as I can get into it, yeah. Because yeah. there's stuff that I want is just so expensive, yeah. and I'm just like, it's not worth that. Yeah. I just had, I went from a Crosley to an Audio Technica. Oh so, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the one I, I bought. One I bought the LP60 for my parents. Yeah, and it was like their favorite Christmas gift I've ever gotten them. Yeah. It's a good record player. Yeah. I think that's what I have. And it's so easy to use. And mm-hmm. I mean, they have some with the USB too. I think it's so cool. You can convert it to, to MP3s if yeah. you wanted to. Yeah. The problem with the, not the problem, but Crosley is good, but like the, 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 the needle, the needle. Yeah, yeah. The arm, it was so light. I had to put like quarters on the, end. Yeah. <laughs> but I hate doing that. I don't want to mess up the vinyl. Yeah. I had a friend who I gave him my old one. I think I gave it to him. He bought me like Kane's, for dinner or something and I was, cause I was just trying to get rid of it and uh, he bought uh, he bought a Kanye album and it sounded like Chipmunks cause after he listened to mine and listened to his I'm just like oh I get it now like yeah. I can hear the difference yeah is it, your turntable direct drive or belt uh, it's built. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that aspect of it too I, mean, I can go I probably need to change the band in there cause it's it's been about six years or so. Oh, wow. But uh, it's not even hooked up right now. I've moved and I've been lazy. I've been in my place for like eight months and yeah, haven't done not, it. Everything's in boxes still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool, though. Um, what and you, and you mentioned going to Imagine and going to Goodwill. Um, do you ever go to Hogwild? Or? Yeah, definitely Hogwild. I like the dollar section because um, there's some really good gems in there. I found some good Tejano records. Oh, cool. I love collecting Tejano records. And... Uh, yeah, I have over, like my collections. I have close to a thousand records. Oh, that's awesome! And no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like when I have to move, I have to oh, put yeah. it in boxes and and move it out. But yeah, I have a lot. That's, that's how I was with CDs. I've got about five hundred CDs, mm-hmm. and I've got this big unorthodox binder. Yeah, and uh, I, I like I like displaying them. Yeah, my vinyl collection is more about like twenties or thirties. So I don't have a lot. Yeah, but uh, I'm always trying to to just add to it. Do you ever buy vinyl just? Because you think the cover looks cool, or just yes, you do. Yeah, I buy a vinyl if it if the title has like quartet or trio. Oh, of course, cool. I'm going to buy it. But yeah, if the cover looks really good, I'll I'll give it a try. Is there any specific example where you just bought it based on the cover and you ended up loving it? Um, not off the top of my head, just because I have so many. Um, there was one I bought recently. I don't know the name of the 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 group, but yeah, it was really jazzy jazzy stuff. That's cool. Do you, do you ever? Uh, there's a YouTube series uh, from Amoeba Records called "What's in My Bag." Yes, watch that. Oh man, I'm addicted to that. Yeah, I, lo- I one. I just love hearing about new music, mm-hmm. and also I, my favorite thing that I've, I've come across is I watch a band that I like, and they talk about a band that I didn't know, like that I yeah. knew of, but I just never listened to them. And you know it's going to be good. If yeah, they influence them. You know. Yeah, and then they'll play like a snippet of it. I'm just like, oh man, where like where have I been? <laughs> Guided by Voices is a band that I like yeah. knew about, have known about for 20 years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until about three years ago some band was talking about them. I was like, man, I've been missing out. Yeah. Well, I heard, first heard about Guided by Voices on uh, the IT crowd. Oh, Yeah, that's man. where I first heard about them. That is one of my favorite shows of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's funny because uh, when Netflix first started doing the uh, the, the streaming, mm-hmm. um, I ran out of things to watch. Yeah. So that would always come up as recommended. I watched the first episode and I was like, eh. Three months later, I watched the second episode. I'm like, oh, man, I should have done this to begin yeah, with. Exactly. And you just binge watch the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. Now, there's only like four seasons or what do they call it for? Um, a series. Series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All my British uh, comedy came started from there. That was my gateway. That was my green day into yeah. British comedy. Right. Mine was, um, I forgot the name. Her, her last name was, uh, she pronounced it bouquet, but it was bucket. Came out on PBS. <laughs> like it was just a real bad eighties. Absolutely. Uh, was it 
Ab- fab- absolutely fabulous. No, but I like that one too. I forgot the name of it. It'll, I'll, I'll text you tomorrow. What, <laughs> what it is. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's cool just to, to, to have these connections and, and, you know, with, with the, the way technology is now and, and being open to so much music, so much gets forgotten about. Yeah. Um, we had my, my friend Matt on, he's a few years younger than, than me and he's, he brought up Teenage Fan Club, mm-hmm. and I know Teenage Fan Club. I just never took the chance to listen to them, and I listened to them. I was like, man, like this is like 13 years worth of stuff. I should have, I should have been listening to this for the last 13 yeah. years, you know? Um, do you ever find that like there's a band that you tried to listen to or, or listen to when you were a teenager, and just you weren't about it, and then like 10 years later, it just all makes sense? Uh something very mainstream is like Weezer. Oh like, yeah. I never really liked Weezer growing up. I heard their songs on the radio, but yeah, listening back now, I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. It was, uh, for, you know, not ahead of its time. Yeah. It was for its time. Yeah, definitely. I, I am a huge Weezer. There's a, a Holy Trinity, my favorite bands. There's mm-hmm. Weezer, the emo band saves a day and Pixies. Those yeah. are like my favorite band and like those three. And it's funny because I, I think I just listened to Weezer at the right time. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of that stuff, you just have to like, you have to be in the right place at the right time in your exactly. life, you know? Yeah. Cause I, a lot of it's kind of like, you know, choose your own adventures as far as, you know, your music taste. Cause there's some bands that are affected where you hear this one band and they are influenced by this other band. So if you hear the band they're influenced by, you're just not as into it. Yeah. And I feel like listen to Weezer early like that. I hear all the bands that were influenced by Weezer and now, you know, it just makes sense. Whereas doing it the other way around, it's like, Oh, what bands influence Weezer? Uh, Pixies influence yeah. Weezer, and um, I, I know that just because uh, I had a, a my sophomore year, I had a teacher who was really into Pixies, mm-hmm. and I, I was familiar with like um, "Here Comes Your Man" yeah. and uh, "Where's My Mind," but I went out and I bought like their greatest hits. And I fell in love with, like, all of their albums. Yeah. Are you a Pixies fan? Uh, I haven't heard much. I'm very, like, high-level Pixies, but yeah. I'll, I'll listen to it on the way home now. Yeah. Um, Doolittle and Surfer Rose. Surfer Rose is my favorite. Um, it's kind of like a Blue Album Pinkerton debate, you know, as far yeah. as people go. Um, do, you, do you have, like, a lot of alternative like, or indie rock uh, influences at all? Uh, Polaris. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really Man, love Polaris. Hey, Sandy is one of my favorite yeah. songs of all time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I loved Pete and Pete growing up. Yeah, exactly. I played that song. I did, a like an event for my buddy, uh, Matt for bare knuckles. Oh, cool. And I played, uh, that, that song. Hey, that's Sandy. awesome. Yeah. Is it just you solo or is the whole, it band? was me solo. Yeah. It was that's awesome. Solo bolo, but yeah. Hey Sandy. I love that song. There's a, there's a, a math band called Terra Mellos mm-hmm. and they did, a, you know, you're familiar with Terra Mellos? No. They did a cover of that. And the interlude where it gets kind of soft, yeah. they threw in "God Only Knows" by uh, the Beach Boys, <laughs> and it's and they do like a music video making yeah. fun of like Pete and Pete. Great cover, great mm-hmm. song. Um, so yeah, we're we're coming up on time. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, my band, Bob Ram and the Rams. You can go to www.bobramandtherams.com or Instagram at Bob Ram and the Rams. Um, you know, to check us out there. We're always posting stuff on our website and on Instagram upcoming shows and whatnot and um i've got a recent uh, album cover that somebody did for me they drew a ram for me in a suit which i absolutely love and her instagram is at noli underscore lacrimas okay. n-o-l-i underscore l-a-c-r-i-m-a-s cool we'll definitely put that in the link as well awesome. for for both of you yeah. and also I, I mentioned bare knuckles yeah 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 um they've been coming up a lot i've seen them at a lot of, of shows with yeah. their their attire and yeah, he's stuff. been busy so yeah that's awesome. Well, thanks, Bob. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, coming up next, we have Bob Ram. 
covering Chet Baker's Everything Happens to Me. All right. your life it rains I try to give a party and the guy upstairs complains I guess I'll go through life catching colds and missing trains everything happens to me I never miss a thing I've had the measles and the mumps Every time I play an ace, my partner always trumps. I guess I'm just a fool who never looks before it jumps. Everything happens to me. At first, my heart thought you could break the strings for me. That love would turn the trick to end despair But now I know I just can't fool this head that thinks for me I've mortgaged all my castles in the air I've telegraphed and phoned Sent an airmail special too Your answer was goodbye There was even postage due I fell in love just once And it had to be with you Everything happens to me At first my heart thought you Could break this jinx for me That love would turn the trick to end despair But now I know I just can't fool this head that thinks for me I've mortgaged all my castles in the air I've telegraphed and phoned Sent an airmail special too Your answer was goodbye There was even postage too I fell in love just once And it had to be with you uh, Everything happened To me